It is midday here and on a Tuesday, and we are joined by the folks at Husker Harvest Days, along with Jason and Bob here at Mission Control and Dewey. But I tell you, it takes a village to do a Husker Harvest Days, and how are we doing in Grand Ellen so far today? Oh, we're doing great. We're taking selfies right now to share with our listeners who can't see what we're doing here at Husker Harvest Days. It is going to be a great, another beautiful day. Nothing like $7.5 million to keep the rain away of Husker Harvest <laughs> That's Days. That's right. Exactly. So lots of things happening. We invite you to come on in and, and check out. If you can't make it today to Husker Harvest Days, join us tomorrow. But we're going to kick it all off on the roundtable at 1219. Yes, we'll be uh, hearing from the Nebraska FFA Foundation as they will be hosting their annual tire auction. Actually, their eighth tire auction they've held now out here on the grounds. That'll happen tomorrow, so we'll hear a little bit more about that event and how folks that are coming out can participate. At 1245, the Nebraska Bankers Association will be here. It'll be interesting to see what they're hearing and seeing out in the countryside as to what we're doing with the economy. And then at 117, we check in once again with Bryce. Yeah, we'll be uh, hear an update from the Nebraska Soybean Board and their checkoff. As they're out here at the show, there's actually a commodity a building that they all kind of hang out in, and so we'll hear what they're talking about this year. And real quick, before we send it back to the studio, we're just going to let you all, all know who else is out here. Well, yes, I'm here. Press Shaley. <laughs> rolling in the building. Look yes, late. come out and see Shaley. Good, Clay's good. here. Well, you know, hey, Chad made it down, too. What was that? What were you saying? Well, I, I was glad that uh, I, they made the improvements for Shaley to, to make it in there. So that's Yes, good. I, will, I will make sure that she knows that <laughs> the improvements are all about Shaley. We all know that. Uh, hey, and I, I, before we send it back to the, the studio, I did not get a chance to, to pick on Jason yesterday about the, the win that happened on Saturday. So I will just leave it at that. All right. And we'll send uh, it back to the studios from Husker Harvest Days. Thank you so much, everyone out there at Husker Harvest Days. Head on over there to the building. It uh, it's uh, it sounds like it's a party over there. So very good, very good. So, Jason, uh, you don't have to comment on the Gophers if you don't like. So, uh, but it's a up to gritty you. win over Fresno State. Gritty over those powerful Fresno State Bulldogs. All right, uh, have they won again? Never mind. We won't go into that. Adrian Martinez looks like he might get a chance. I think that's coaches speak. You think so? I don't think, I no. don't think he plays on Saturday. Well, That's an old trick. Okay, where we're Game all day to day, you know, yeah. we're all you just you make it. You don't. I mean, if you're Nebraska, there's no advantage of saying he's not going to play. True. I think Andrew Bunch will be the starting quarterback for Nebraska on Saturday. Huskers were not happy with that hit on Martinez, mm -hmm. and they sent the video into the leagues. Uh, don't expect anything to come out of this, but it'll just spice things up for next year when oh the Huskers boy. go to Boulder. That's for sure. Also, the NFL season concluded week one last night with a couple of kind of snoozers. Uh, how about to Sam Donald? Boy, he put on a show for the Jets. It's been a while since they've seen that kind of quarterback play. You couldn't even look down in that game and the Jets were scoring in that third quarter. So... Who knew? So Who knew? That and a whole lot more coming up in sports. Very good. Very good. Well, the New York Stock Exchange should have been happy with the win by the Jets. Bob, has uh, that reflected in financials? Well, I don't know how they feel about the Jets win, but uh, lots of people are in shock today. But stocks were dipping earlier today. They're uh, now kind of bouncing back. Uh, the Dow up 144 points at the moment. Um, the WTO is, says it's going to review China's request um, to look into some trade issues, and uh, those are kind of the things we're watching. Very good. Well, that's all coming up on Midday. Welcome back to Harvest Days. I'm Susan Littlefield.
field as we check out some things that are happening with the markets. Mike Susel will join us in the Huckster Heart of the booth. Mike, as we look at the markets, obviously a lot of uh, pre-report, pre-estimates as we look into tomorrow's numbers. Yeah, we're back to spread trading. It looks like to me, Susan. We've got a situation again where we had some cancellations on soybeans, purchases on corn. And I think between that and the report, everybody's just so skittish about the U.S. carryover for soybeans tomorrow. We're probably back to buying corn and selling soybeans. And that's been one of those things that the trade has really gotten comfortable with, whether it's buying one and selling the other uh, in, in terms of corn and beans before the report. It seems like that is the pre-report uh, thing to do in the, in the row crops, especially if the wheat market's not providing any direction. As you look at what we're seeing in the trade and, and obviously waiting for the, those numbers came off from the crop progress report, that kind of threw everybody for a loop yesterday not having that information. It did and we had to go back to thinking about and trading something else that was already known and, and things that would come out. And one thing that did come out today also is the attache from the United States Department of Agriculture brought up a fresh African swine fever uh, special report. Uh, it is not getting any better, it's not getting any worse, but it still keeps us in the news. And now we've heard at mid-session that maybe Japan has gotten an outbreak of African swine fever. So if that's the case, that really opens the door to this continuing on and pressuring potentially the soy complex in terms of the demand side. So not only do we have the trade sanctions with China going on, we still have that to have to deal with. Now we have this new demand issue that you and I have been talking about a lot lately. Well, Mike, it goes beyond that because we've got to worry about feeding those people and if they've got it now in Japan that's a lot of hogs that are going to have to be destroyed there's a lot of folks that aren't going to get fed exactly and this is where the cattle market could come out a big winner and it's going to be interesting also Susan because we've got this big hurricane coming into North Carolina that's a major poultry and pork area that southeast area for the shipping and for the production and it's not been long ago that we had such big hurricane uh, problems in that area that it really hurt the pork industry for many, many months. So the cattle market could be opening itself up to the upside depending on how this weather and this African swine fever develops here as we get into the corn harvest essentially. And so maybe we'll add to the livestock feeding and the corn demand just because of these things. There's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of readings. Everybody's talking about this weather moving in with this hurricane and what effects it could have as well on the crops here in the States. Yes, and, and, and you've got the situation now with the trade starting to get revved up for corn harvest as early as this week. Well, maybe the new 10-day models are not going to present such a wide-open picture for the Corn Belt. That's something that we're going to have to keep out there and watch, especially if the USDA doesn't give us anything to feed the bear. That's, that's really what it comes back to this year, it seems to me, is the weather can play a role if the USDA numbers allow it. And that's where the, tomorrow's numbers really are kind of the leverage or pivot point to where the trend is going to be, I think. We're going to obviously talk more about this come final bell, but to be able to market today into tomorrow, what are some things that you want them to keep in mind as they watch these trade? Well, the thing to keep in mind, I think, is the basis is so wide, especially as you go west of the Mississippi River, that if we would have any weather plays, we may have some pops in the basis, five, seven cents in corn, 15, 20 cents in beans maybe, and I think those are the kind of basis pops you probably want to take advantage of because the crop is probably out there and we want to probably lock in that basis side sooner than rather than later, especially if you're talking about off the combine sales. And obviously be patient after those numbers come out tomorrow. Yeah, you got to be patient, but you also want to watch the technicals. You know, the 840 level in lead month beans is a big technical indicator I'll be watching after the close. Mike Suzalo joining us out here at Husker Harvest Days on the Rural Radio Network. Well, it's time for us to take a look at our ag weather, and to do that, uh, 
We go all the way back out to Husker Harvest Days, and Paul Perkins is out there now. Paul, uh, did you make it? Yes, just made it here. Very, very nice conditions out here. Lots of sunshine and luckily a nice breeze, but the temperature is not too bad here at Husker Harvest Days. Uh, and, and even if the winds are blowing, it's probably not quite as dusty, is it? No, it's great with the, everything being paved. Of course, you know, everybody has their little uh, plots with their uh, booths and everything, so the grassy areas are nice and green, so it's really an ideal situation out here with the new improvements out here at Husker Harvest Days. All right, very good. Well, tell us, uh, make us smarter here today, will you, about weather? <laughs> okay, you betcha. Yeah, it looks like uh, the sunny, unseasonably warm, and mainly dry weather expected to continue all the way through the weekend. A big ridge of high pressure building up from the desert southwest with these warm and dry conditions. Those winds on the breezy side out of the south at the surface, if we, we do have some surface low pressure off to our west and some high pressure over the east. We're in the middle of those two systems and getting these breezy south winds. That looks to continue for several days here. A few thunderstorms are possible later today and tonight over west and west central Nebraska. Right near a cold front that's kind of pushing into northwest Nebraska, but right now not expecting that front to make a whole lot of progress. It will gradually wash out. A series of fronts are expected to track across the northern plains this week. A persistent ridge, though, in place across our area will keep all the cooler air and thunderstorms off to our north. This ridge does break down by Monday. That will allow a cold front to drop south across the region. Temperatures will be slightly cooler, but still on the uh, warmer-than-usual side for this time of year. And we do have a small chance of thunderstorms as we head towards Monday, but pretty minimal on the rain chances. That could be changing, though, in our long-term outlook. It's likely Nebraska and Kansas temperatures will remain at least slightly warmer than normal for Sunday through September 24th, but the rain chances start to increase in our long-term outlook. Above normal rainfall forecast for Sunday through the 24th for both Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors in the markets include an improving harvest trend in the Midwest for the time being and limited frost damage to China's soybeans. Most of the country expected to experience dry weather with some warm air continuing to move to the east. The mild and dry trend from the Midwest favoring the maturing and early harvest of corn and soybeans right now. Rain chances do increase across the Midwest about 7 to 10 days out from now. And, of course, that corresponds with our long-term outlook of above normal rainfall for us in Nebraska and Kansas. The northern plains will continue to benefit from mostly favorable conditions for finishing off the spring wheat harvest and also beginning row crop harvest. The southern plains, their soil and moisture has much improved right now just in time for winter wheat planting and the fall pastures in pretty good shape due to the recent rains. Hurricane Florence, a lot of people watching this, it's at a category four right now. That's still threatening to cause extreme rain, wind, and storm damage in the mid-Atlantic region later this week, probably late Thursday into Friday. Extensive crop damage is likely to corn, soybeans, also cotton, and peanuts early this week. Temperatures in parts of northeast China brought some frost damage to the soybeans, some potential anyhow, but right now it looks like that damage threat appears to be limited with some milder weather the rest of the week in their forecast. But all in all, some very ideal conditions here at Husker Harvest Day, Scott. All right. Well, that's something that we haven't always said, so we sure do appreciate it. And we, we sure think about those folks out on the East Coast and the North and South Carolina. That looks like Hurricane Florence is going to pack a wallop. Yes, especially for the Carolinas, uh, something to definitely watch over the next several days. And, of course, it could be affecting agriculture in some big ways. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. Hey, even out in Grand Island, where do you go to check your weather? You can do it at krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. 
Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Crop progress report surprised uh, many marketers today as the corn condition actually improved nationally in the past week to 68%, good to excellent, and that was an increase of one percentage point. Soybean improved two percentage points to 68%, good to excellent. But we had been lower in the trade before that. December corn now 366 and three quarters down a half. March 378 and a half down three quarters. November soybeans 834 down 11 and a quarter. January 847 and a half down 11 and a half. Chicago December wheat 519 down nine and a quarter. Kansas City December 522 and a half down eight and a quarter. Minneapolis December wheat 574 down six. We're also under pressure in live and feeder cattle, and we're slipping even further into triple-digit losses in lean hogs. October live cattle, 109.25, down 90. December, 113.90, down 52. February, 118.27, down 25. April, 119.70, down 20. June, 112.72, down 55. September feeder cattle, 152.07, down 45. October 152.37, down 30. November 152.40, down 47. January 148.65, down 30. October lean hogs slipped to 54.27, down 167. December down $2 at 53.70. February 62.65, down 127. But the Dow is up 151 points at 26,009. NASDAQ now up 45 at 7,970. S&P 500 up 11 at 2,891. You fell in love with freckles the year your daughter turned three. But freckles on your corn plants, a sign of Goss's wilt, are a different story entirely. Protect what you put in with the proven performance of DeKalb Disease Shield technology. Featuring precision breeding innovation that protects against five key corn diseases, including Goss's wilt, while still providing the yield potential you expect. Visit DeKalbDiseaseShield.com to learn more. Performance may vary. Always read and follow IRM where applicable grain marketing and all of their stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. One year it could be moisture stress, another fusarium, or nematodes. So you need your corn to rise ready for whatever's in store. Now one simple decision provides coverage on four fronts. The Acceleron portfolio, fungicides, insecticides, nematicides, and powerful bioenhancers that can help increase plants' access to nutrients and water. This season, rise stronger with Acceleron seed treatment products. Learn more at AccelerontSAS.com slash ready. Performance may vary. It's important to use proper PPE when handling treated seed. Oscar Harvest Day is kicked off today, and the newly paved streets are full with visitors to the event. I'm Chabella Guzman for the Rural Radio Network. One of the longtime events going on today throughout the three-day event is the cattle handling demonstration. Colby Collins, Husker Harvest Day board member, tells us more about the shoots. Yeah, we do a cattle handling demonstration where nine different shoot companies demonstrate their shoots with uh, live cattle in front of a crowd. And we do that daily from 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what um, producers like when they come out to see the event. I think uh, when they want to see the cattle handling demonstration, they want to see a side-by-side comparison of the shoots to see uh, the price points and uh, the qualities that the different shoots have to offer. Okay. And what are some things that they 
what are some questions or what are some comments that you guys get from them? Uh, a lot of them, what they want to see is just to see how the shoots hold up to. Uh, these are yearling cattle. They're 900 pounds. They just come off the of grass, so they just want to see how the shoots hold up. And for the different operations, some of these shoots are designed more for a feedlot operation on down to a cow-calf operation. And so the price point will dictate what the individual producer is willing to spend based on how much the shoot's being used and for what application. Okay. And tell me a little bit about that, you know, the applications that they can use in port. Uh, a lot of it, uh, the shoots, obviously, is to doctor cattle. Uh, also, the, uh, they implant cattle. They also can uh, do, um, they got palp cages on the back for um, maternity issues, front cows for delivery or pulling calves. But a lot of it's just the safe handling practices of cows. And that's the main focus right now is just to try to keep the cattle as calm as possible through shoot operation. Okay. Um, tell me, you know, you guys are here at Husker Harvest or, you know, you guys do this every year, it seems like. Tell me some, you know, what keeps it a long standing. I think uh, this is one of the few places where guys can actually see live demonstrations of side-by-side -side comparison, and uh, we've been doing this virtually since the beginning of the show site, or the show's uh, origination date, and I think cattle producers like to see what's new and just actually see them working and see what's going to fit in their operations. Okay, and tell me, what are some of the changes that you guys have had over the years? I think the biggest change has gone from the manual shoot operations to the um, electronic shoots or the hydraulic shoots and so uh, just the demands on the show site itself is just being able to provide big power to them to be able to run a lot of these big shoots and so it's just a lot of ease of handling for the cowboys or the ranchers who are utilizing the shoots it's just a lot easier for them to run these hydraulic shoots especially when they're running thousands ahead of cattle through a year okay and now have you guys always had a little bit of a like a little stadium or we've had a show site pretty similar to this but obviously with the improvements with the um, husband harvest day is done to the entire grounds we've got new concrete in here we've got new bleachers and uh, just freshened up the whole environment and new uh, power service which we definitely needed at the beginning it was all manual and now virtually everybody but one is uh, offering a, a electric, electric shoot so it definitely is a change the focus and the scope of how we have to be set up ready to for the vendors to come in and demonstrate their shoots and how many vendors will you have today and we tomorrow have and nine spots for nine vendors and there's always room for there's always uh, more vendors would like to get in but uh, we have the capabilities to handle nine shoots and so we're always full every year okay uh, uh, anything else uh, i just encourage everybody to come down and visit us at husker harvest days we're in the northwest corner of the show site and we will be here tuesday wednesday thursday at 10 a.m and 2 p.m all right all thank right you. thank you for more information visit the site at www.huskerharvestdays.com with the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. Oh, 880 KRVN, Lexington, Nebraska. Welcome back to Husker Harvest Days on a breezy opening day. We're going to talk more about the Nebraska FFA Foundation. And, and to do that, I have the Executive Director of the Nebraska FFA Foundation, Stacy Agnew, joins us right now. Stacy, good afternoon to you. Tomorrow is the big day. It's the sixth annual tire auction. How did this first get started? Well, we have some wonderful supporters. Titan Tire um, came to us, and they had been doing this at, with some other state FFA foundations in Iowa and Illinois, and they said, we want to do this in Nebraska for 
uh, Nebraska FFA Foundation to support FFA in Nebraska. And we're like, that's great. And so Titan and Graham Tire actually bring in all the tires. They set it up. And um, we have Big Iron that comes in and auctions it off live. Now in its sixth year, tell us what we can expect from the auction, which is happening tomorrow, right? It's happening tomorrow at 11 o'clock. So what you can expect is a long list of farm tires from ATV to farm utility to high traction uh, tires for uh, all, all the way across the board. And they are Goodyear farm tires. And so you're purchasing the tires from the foundation, and um, they... It's just a great way to support the work that we do, and we hope to have lots and lots of folks come out and bid on these tires. They can also go online to BigIron.com, and they can place their bids, uh, their their highest bid on there if they'd like to do that. We also have um, a gator and some low sidewall tires that are also being auctioned off online only at BigIron.com. Okay. And they can find the full list of tires and all the details at any FFA foundation. We're going to pass the mic over to Amy Tomlinson. She's the state FFA advisor for the Nebraska FFA Association. Kind of talk about the why we're doing this. This has to do with students, and that's the FFA students that we're looking to support here. The FFA has, a has seen a tremendous amount of growth over the past several years. Help us understand a, a little bit of why that is and how much growth they've seen. So in the last eight years, we have seen a 25% growth in Nebraska agriculture education across the state. We are currently at 189 chapters and serving about 8,500 members across um, the state of Nebraska. The tire auction is to help fund those leadership programs for our members across the state as well as support some teacher training and development as well. So by partnering with Triton, uh, machinery and Graham Tire and Big Iron Auctions helping us out fundraising for these students and the opportunities that are available to them through the FFA organization is just an outstanding opportunity. It's a great cause and we talk about the growth. Is there a reason why, we th why you think that the FFA has seen so much growth over the past five to eight years? What's the reason behind that? Why do more students want to get involved with agricultural education? I think that administrators as well as communities are seeing the need for students coming out of high school or into high school to be ag literate and understand where their food comes from and how that food is produced, as well as FFA is a quality program. It's a, based on a three-component uh, circle model of classroom FFA and SAE. It's a very comprehensive education for students, and they see the growth and they see the opportunity within the FFA organization and I get for those students. Let's pass the mic one more time back to Stacy Agnew as we re quickly review the details of this tire auction. Again, happening tomorrow right here at Husker Harvest Days. Right. Tomorrow at 11 o'clock, it'll be at the Titan Graham Tire booth. Um, it starts at 11 o'clock. I would advise people to get there a little bit earlier and check in at our FFA Foundation table, again at the Titan and Graham Tire booth, and get a number to bid. Excellent information. And again, for more information, just head over to any FFA Foundation. Org. From Husker Harvest Days, I'm Bryce Duskett reporting. It is time for us to check in on sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Scott. Well, Nebraska head coach Scott Frost and the athletic department weren't happy with the hit that injured quarterback Adrian Martinez on Saturday. And Frost says the hit and the injury just looks bad. You never want to think anybody on a football field would intentionally try to hurt someone else and nobody except someone that does that knows what the intentions were I, w I will tell you we have an angle that doesn't look very good um, so we've turned the play into the 
Big Ten and the Pac-12, and um, we'll see where it goes from there. Now, Colorado head coach Mike McIntyre said there will be no suspensions or disciplinary actions from him resulting from that play. The newly renovated Elliott Field at BB Stadium at Shadron State will be dedicated this Saturday. The construction timeline was tight. Demolition of the former stadium and press box started in November, and the project was completed in under 10 months. Bad news for Minnesota. Gopher running back Rodney Smith will miss the remainder of the year because of an injury to his left knee. He was hurt in the third play of the game against Fresno State at the end of an 11-yard gain on a screen pass. Gophers coach P.J. Flex says the team will request a medical redshirt and a sixth year of eligibility in 2019 for Smith. And he's seventh in program history with almost 3,000 rushing yards. The Gophers will host Miami of Ohio this weekend. Well, Nebraska senior Michaela Fecky was named the Big Ten Co-Player of the Week by the conference office this week. Fecky averaged over four kills and two and a half digs per set to lead the Huskers to nice wins over 14th-ranked Creighton and Iowa State. Fecky had a career-high 25 kills and 13 digs and five blocks in the Huskers' memorable comeback win last Thursday night against the Blue Jays. New York Jets and L.A. Rams won last night's NFL games. Sam Darnold threw a pick six on his first NFL passing attempt, but after that he settled in, throw for a couple of touchdowns as the Jets crushed the Lions 48-17. And Jared Goff threw a couple of touchdown passes. And newcomer Marcus Peters returned an interception 50 yards for his score as the Rams eventually pulled away for a 33-13 win over the Raiders. As Hurricane Florence menaces the East Coast, more games could be in jeopardy in Major League Baseball. There were rainouts last night in Philadelphia where national star Bryce Harper joined grounds crews that used blow torches trying to get the field dry. And in New York, they've had 51 weather-related postponements this season. That's after a total of 39 a year ago. The Nationals and Phillies are scheduled for a doubleheader at Citizens Bank Park. The Marlins visit the Mets, and Baltimore will try to host Oakland. And Colorado is 13-2 route of Arizona. Now puts the Rockies a game and a half ahead of the Dodgers in the NL West with the Diamondbacks now three and a half games back. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Mostly clear skies tonight in Nebraska with lows around 62 degrees. I'm Dave Schroeder. A Nebraska search and rescue team is joining the emergency forces responding to Hurricane Florence as it heads towards the eastern seaboard. More than three dozen members of Nebraska Task Force 1 left this morning for Raleigh, North Carolina. The deployed members include two canine search units. The task force is composed of firefighters from Lincoln, Omaha, and other departments, as well as civilian members, doctors, structural engineers, and rigging specialists. Members helped out last September when Hurricane Irma struck Florida and Hurricane Harvey hit Texas. A 22-year-old man lied to police about being robbed in Kearney. Quentin Phillips of Riverdale is charged with misdemeanor theft and false reporting. The records don't list the name of an attorney who could comment for him. Phillips' arraignment is scheduled for October 1st. Police say Phillips worked for a security company and had been assigned to make a night deposit of money from the Viero Center after a hockey game Saturday night. He told police he was robbed before he could make the deposit, but officers say he lied and had taken money for himself. It's unclear how much money was taken. The 32nd annual Fall Junk Antique Extravaganza held on the Dawson County Fairgrounds over the Labor Day weekend featured something for nearly everyone. The event was attended by 70 vendors, including Marcy and Ron Miller of Lincoln, Nebraska. Marcy Miller talks about her reason for bringing her collectibles to the event for 31 years. 
a great event that doesn't happen here only once a year and it's people look forward to it and the dealers also look forward to it because they can see people they've sold to for years and years who've become like like friends and uh, the collectors we're all collectors here all the dealers started out as collectors too so we all have a lot in common and it's it's just a fun thing to do for a weekend Kansas officials are backing President Donald Trump's plan to switch federal agency control of a biodefense laboratory complex under construction in the state. The Wichita Eagle reports a national bio and agro-defense facility currently controlled by the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Federal and state officials say the $1 billion project in Manhattan will aid efforts to prepare for agro-terrorism and research how to protect the country's food supply. Trump this year proposed handing over operational control of the facility to the U.S. Department of Agriculture as part of his budget plan. The idea brought some concern, but federal officials and Kansas lawmakers supported the bureaucratic changeover on Monday. Reporting from the KRVN News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Welcome back to Husker Harvest Days. I'm Susan Littlefield here on the Rural Radio Network. If you ever had a question about banking, this is the place to be right now. The Nebraska Bankers Association crew is here. The people who are in the know for everything. And Dave is laughing, so we're going to start with you. Oh, thank you, Susan. Dave Danella is joining us. Let's talk about, you represent uh, First State Bank out of Lincoln, or excuse me, Loomis, excuse me. Let's talk about uh, those young farmers out there. They haven't experienced the downturn that they're seeing now. So going into their banker, getting ready to look at 2019, what are some things that they need to kind of keep in mind as they make that conversation again? Uh, two things for sure come to mind, preparation and communication. They need to get in and see their lender early and often and have discussions uh, throughout the fall harvest period and any time that there's maybe a rain or anything like that interrupts where they have a little time, get in and communicate with their lenders to uh, uh, update them on progress and start talking about plans for the upcoming renewal season so they're best prepared to uh, uh, meet the challenges that are certainly uh, ahead, of, uh, ahead of them this renewal season. Well, I'm sure there's some nervousness that goes into that because they're going in there talking money, which is something that those in agriculture sometimes have a difficulty in doing. Correct. There's, uh, you know, it, it's it's a uh, it's it's a profession that deals with a subject that is very uh, private with most individuals. It's right up there with their own personal health care, and and for some they do have a hard time opening up and discussing it with with other folks. And uh, um, but you know, ag lenders, ag bankers in general are very are very proud of the customer base they serve. They're very. They're very passionate about the service that they give to their customers, and they're very committed to, to doing all they can to help them succeed. What is your role with the Nebraska Bankers Association? I am the current chairman of the association. So anybody has questions, they need to come see you at Husker Harvest Days. And I have a great support staff that I can defer those questions to. So Good job. Let's pass the mic over, over to Alan Emshoff of Generations Bank. Let's talk about the paperwork, the things that we need to have put together. Because Dave talked about going in there and keeping that line of communication open. But you got to come in with something, something sure. tangible in your hand. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, um, it hasn't changed for about the last 20 years or so, but we're looking for uh, past history, such as tax returns, uh, a current balance sheet. Uh, we're, we're looking at uh, different things, uh, including a cash flow as well for the upcoming year, but we're also uh, making sure that your historical trends are uh, 
in a stable or growing position because we're really interested in what farmers are concerned about right now is their liquidity and their their net worth and making sure that they can uh, grow it or at least stabilize it. And those ever-changing commodity prices means you do definitely need to have that line of communication open ready to sit down and talk. Absolutely and we also need a plan you know with the, the cash flow I mentioned but but we need uh, to know where you're headed and what you're thinking as far as risk management and those types of things for your operation. And the expansion opportunities that have come into Nebraska and a variety of different types of livestock as well, having that communication. Sure, yeah, there's a, there's a whole lot of opportunity in agriculture and you mentioned the young producers and, and some of the concerns that they might have, but uh, with the challenges also come opportunities for some of these young producers and even the uh, more established producers as uh, similar to uh, my business where a lot of us are graying at the temples, uh, leaving the industry, uh, the same thing is happening in, in uh, the agricultural field where some of those farmers are retiring, like my dad, for instance, is 80 years old and he's going to retire next year, I believe, um, and pass it on to my nephew. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some opportunities out there for those young folks. All right, sounds good. I want to bring uh, Richard Bear into this conversation because we talk about the, the economics of what's happening. We, we continue to focus on that you know, in the news, the markets. What happens on Main Street, what happens in the rural streets, has affect Main Street and beyond into the big cities. You bet. You know, we represent 178 banks across the state. Many of them are, are small community banks, and uh, you know, they're local community banks because they're able to make local decisions, lo local presence, uh, which is important in a time like this. But it's also important on how they work with Main Street businesses because we are starting to see the slowdown. Uh, it's amazing as people cut back living expenses and try and get a handle on some of those kinds of, of expense issues, they begin to think about the impact of flower shops and clothing stores and shoe stores and, you know, maybe it's one less trip a year. All of those kinds of things impact uh, the whole food spectrum in terms of the economy. The other piece is our manufacturing base in the state. Many of our manufacturers are tied directly to agribusiness, and so as, as we see less sales or, or more difficult, less margins in the sales, it also has an impact on the manufacturers who uh, create many of the jobs in our rural communities. And for many of these communities, that, that bank is, is the center and core of what keeps those communities and main streets going. You bet. And I think maybe that's the thing our industry is most proud of as we continue to be, like I said, locally locally positioned, local decisions. That really is important to keep those lines of communication open. And, and it helps our bankers understand the challenges because they're seeing uh, the farmers and ranchers not only out on the farm, but they're seeing them at Little League Baseball. Uh, they're sponsoring, you know, new turf at the local football field or new, new scoreboards or whatever. So that partnership really is important for all of us to be successful. You guys are here at Husker Harvest Days? We are indeed. We have, we have a long-standing tradition of being here and uh, interacting with our constituents across the state. Come check them out. Are you guys still giving away popcorn? Uh, we are. There you go. We've got more coming up from Husker Harvest Days. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. And shortly before the close, we're under pressure in these grain and soybean contracts, led by double-digit losses in soybeans. December corn, 366 and three quarters, down a half. March, 378 and a half, down three quarters. May, 386 and a quarter, down a half. USDA's delayed crop progress report this morning showed an increase of two percentage points in the soybean good to excellent rating. That means November soybeans have now moved 12 and a quarter lower at 8.33. January, 8.47. March, 8.59 and three quarters, both down 12. 
December Chicago wheat five nineteen and a half down eight and three quarters. Kansas City December five twenty three and a half down seven and a quarter. And Minneapolis December wheat five seventy five and a half down four and a half. Lean hogs led the way lower as the Smithfield plant at Tar Heel, North Carolina will be closed the rest of the week. So there'll be a backlog of hogs as that plant uh, killed 32,500 hogs a day. October live cattle settled 109.30 down 85, December 113.92 down 50. September feeders 152.12 down 40, October 152.45 down 22. November 152.42 down 45. And the lean hog trade had a couple of triple digit losses. October down a dollar forty seven at fifty four forty seven. And December down a dollar sixty at fifty four ten. February sixty three thirty two, that was down sixty. Latest from Wall Street, the Dow up a hundred thirty at twenty five thousand nine eighty six. The Nasdaq is now thirty nine higher at seven thousand nine sixty three. While the S P five hundred is eight higher at two thousand eight eighty nine. Cattlemen, want a little more innovation? Pour it on. How about a little more convenience? Pour it on. And just plain old easy to use? Pour it on. Introducing new Banamine Transdermal. It's the first FDA-approved pour-on of its kind. And it's easy, easy, easy. New Banamine Transdermal from Merck Animal Health. Pour it on. Talk to your veterinarian or visit BanamineTD.com. The Nebraska FFA is growing leaders in building communities. Together, we are strengthening agriculture. The Nebraska FFA Foundation believes in our future leaders and the communities they serve. We believe in the future of agriculture. You can support local agricultural education and FFA by joining the I Believe in the Future of Ag campaign. Learn more at neffafoundation.org. Brought to you by Producers Livestock, serving customers for over 80 years with all of your marketing, credit, and commodity needs. Back on the Rural Radio Network, and we get comments from Joe Teal of Great Plains Commodities in the Livestock Complex. Joe? Yeah, mostly a red day today. Uh, we had lower prices in the cattle, the feeders, and in the hogs. Uh, let's uh, start with the cattle. Uh, uh, started off lower and, and uh, stayed lower the majority of the day, and uh, there wasn't uh, a whole lot of good news around uh, the uh, uh, cattle that did trade uh, so far were lower than uh, yesterday. It wasn't very many, but uh, that kind of set the tone. The cutouts at noon were higher, but uh, pretty light test, uh, and it wasn't a whole lot higher. So that nothing uh, there to help uh, for that matter. And uh, well, we did uh, kind of bounce back just a little bit at the, uh, at the close, uh, uh, both of the cattle and the feeders but uh, still did not manage to get positive on the day. Over in the hogs, boy, they came under a lot of pressure. Uh, the uh, uh, nearby October and December under a lot of pressure. I think uh, a little bit of this is uh, concerning the uh, hurricane that's going to come into the uh, uh, Carolinas. going to shut down uh, some pretty good uh, uh, packing plants, hog packing plants, uh, and that uh, is going to... Uh, kind of back up some hogs it looks it appears now it depends upon uh, how that uh, uh, comes to pass after uh, the storm passes but uh, 
the uh, cutouts were sharply higher, cash was sharply higher. Packers are uh, interested in buying hogs. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. This is the Rural Radio Network. Oscar Harvest Days. I'm Brian Stuskit on the Rural Radio Network. Let's hear about the Nebraska Soybean Board checkoff here at Husker Harvest Days. And to do that, let's turn to Ann Meese. And you're a member of the Nebraska Soybean Board, and you're here on the grounds today. Help us understand a little bit about what you're doing here as well as the uh, soybean checkoff. Sure. We have a booth here um, with all the other commodities here at Husker Harvest Days on Main Street, Booth 50. And Nebraska Soybean Board is here because we are here because the farmers are here, the producers are here. And we are here to serve them and let them know a little bit about what their checkoff dollar is doing and how hard it's working for them. One of the displays we have in the commodity booth is the biodiesel. And we really feel like the biodiesel is where is a new upcoming market for our soybean oil that can really move the needle on marketing and that's what we want the checkoff dollar to do always looking for new markets and where we can increase that value to the producer producer education aspect uh, a lot of folks don't think of that as something important that the that the checkoffs all of them are doing but it's important to let the farmers out here know where that money is going like you mentioned biodiesel a lot of farmers can, can implement that on their own operations can't they you bet. Um, we're hoping that making it more readily available here in Nebraska, and we've got biodiesel blending plants now with uh, different companies, and they can begin, and the co-ops are starting to buy it and offer it, and they can start to implement it right on their own farm, and they know that they've grown that soybean and that soybean oil, and it's just where we want to go with it. This is your second term on the Nebraska Soybean Board, if I have that correct. Maybe let's reflect a little bit on your first term and some of your favorite projects that you were part of. Yes, this is, I've just been reelected for my second term, and I represent District 1. And there was so much learning to go on to see where the projects are. Um, in addition to the Nebraska Soybean Board, I also serve on the U.S. Farmers and Ranchers Alliance Board, which is a national board that we uh, support with our checkoff dollars. And the purpose is to educate consumers and retailers on the modern agricultural practices that we use and why we use them and the benefits to society and to the whole food production by using modern farming practices and that we do grow our 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 products sustainably we use conservation and i think there's just a huge uh, jump to get that out to consumers because they're getting negative messages about um, hormones and gmos and pesticides and we need to get the right message out there So how are you able to communicate that right message straight from farmers like yourself by serving on that board? Well, that's it. We've They've done study after study, and they realize that consumers do trust the farmer voice. So there's several programs that try to get that farmer voice out there, whether it, it be out there at the uh, grocery organizations, at, you know, talking to chefs, talking to dietitians, talking to people who are influencers. An event we just had in Nebraska here with Common Ground was the banquet on the farm where we're talking to those influencers and letting them know that uh, we're providing safe, healthy food. 
and just a few seconds left here, but let's get some of your thoughts on where uh, the soybean checkoff goes into the future. We need to tap into international markets, continue to work on international marketing, domestic marketing with our biodiesel and support animal ag. We need to continue to put dollars into research so that um, at the university we have unbiased research that will help producers grow that soybean and also education and communication, let the people know what we're doing. Excellent information, as always. We've been talking with Ann Meese of Elgin, Nebraska, also a member of the Nebraska Soybean Board. From Husker Harvest Days, I'm Bryce Duskett on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And again, we get a little bit of negative news from uh, the USDA regarding crop progress today. Yeah, we got another kind of bump, I think 2% unexpected uh, for the soybean crop, which is odd to hear. You know, I don't know what would have changed in the last two weeks to make a change, but uh, they're seeing what they're seeing. I think the market's taking that as a little bit of a cue to get out of the way before the report tomorrow. Um, I think a lot of this... This is priced in. I don't wouldn't be shocked to see the market, sh- you know, shoot down into the low eights, maybe even as high as seven eighty. That was the two thousand nine low, but um, I think the Brazil crop's going to have to fall with it. So tomorrow's numbers will be important to watch on the global side. Is you know we could see global stocks uh, come down a little bit um, if you know for some reason they would happen to not raise Brazil as much as they that the, the trade thinks. Uh, regardless, um, short term direction is down. We are 27% below Brazilian offers, so that does kind of open the door here to start buying U.S. product for the Chinese. Given the 25% tariff, it, you know, it makes still economic sense for them to come to our shores. So it'll be really interesting, interesting to see how that plays out come October when we're going to be a kind of top step on the export terminals. Tomorrow, could we see some friendly news as far as corn is concerned? I think so. You know, you got to kind of look through the U.S. numbers. I mean... You know, 177, 178, it'll come out at that number. But what we really want to look at is what the global numbers are. So if they come out with a global production number, and I'm going to speak in million metric tons now, uh, you know, anywhere between 190 and 192, uh, that'll be almost 40 million metric tons. Or, I mean, do the math times 40, you're talking about 1.6 billion bushels less of global carryover than we had a year prior. And next year, we're looking at another 40 million, million uh, metric ton drop. So, uh, in my opinion, Corn is a straight buy here. Uh, if it breaks down, you, know, you can get a chance to buy March or cover needs for March in the 360s. Uh, I think you got to do so. Uh, tremendously friendly to crop. I think in the short term, logistics have already been put behind us with the September delivery, um, and now it'll be about what kind of those offers will be for uh, the export terminals come October and November. The real rally probably comes after Thanksgiving, but in the short term, I wouldn't be shocked to see uh, you know December corn maybe pop up above 380 one or two times. And I think that at that point, you got to kind of have a plan and figure out what you want to do. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can go to danielsagmarketing.com. Corn finishes the day, three quarters to one cent lower, except the May contract for 2019 down a half. Soybeans, 13 and three quarters to 14 and a quarter lower. Chicago wheat, nine and a half to ten and a half lower. Kansas City wheat, eight and a half to nine and a half lower. This is the Rural Radio Network.